Well, hello, my friends. The grace and peace of our Lord and Savior be with you. I want to welcome you to the Sermons from the Cornfield podcast, a weekly podcast where the sermons that I preach each and every Sunday are uploaded for you to listen to and review. My name is Pastor Mark O'Neill, and I hope you enjoy this week's podcast. God bless. Friends, our sermon text this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark. It's another telling of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem for this Palm Sunday. We'll be in chapter 11, taking a look at verses 1 through 11. So again, this is Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage at Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, He sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this, The Lord needs it, and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the yard. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing, untying the colt? They told him what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he, Jesus, entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Friends, again, this is the word of God for you and I, the children of God. Thanks be to God. What's the latest you have ever been for something? Now, I don't mean so late that you said, forget, I'm not even going. I mean, something that you were so late for, you still end up going and were quite a bit late. Anybody here been so late for a wedding rehearsal that you had to hear about it years and years and years later? That happened to me back in 2002. One of my best friends growing up and the guy I roomed with all four years in Carolina got married. And he and his bride got married over Labor Day weekend. And for whatever reason, instead of getting married on a Saturday, they got married on a Sunday. Labor Day weekend, as you know, is historically the opening of the college football season. And so on the Saturday before the wedding, instead of the groomsmen all going out and playing golf or whatever and the bridesmaids having a bridesmaids luncheon or whatever, what we decided to do is the entire wedding party, because most of the groomsmen like me went to Carolina and they dated most of the bridesmaids, we all went to Chapel Hill for the first football game for the first football game of the year. Now, the wedding was in Sanford. The bride was a Lee County girl. So that's about 45 minutes away from Chapel Hill. Kickoff was at 1.30. The game lasts, what, three hours or so? Rehearsal wasn't until 6 or 6.30, so we had plenty of time to get to Carolina, watch the game, and get back in time to change and rehearse. I was one of the ones that drove, and so off we went. Now, one of the things to understand about that campus is there's not really, there's not much space to really tailgate before the games. 
So usually what you end up having to do is to try and find a parking place and then walk to a restaurant or some other place to hang out before the game. One of our favorite parking decks to park on was on Rosemary Street, which if you're familiar with that campus, Franklin Street is here, Rosemary's right behind it and is parallel to it. So we went there, we parked, walked to one of our favorite places, perfect plan. Well, if you look up the box score for that game, I did that this week just to verify some things. Toward the bottom, it lists game time, temperature, and weather. And for weather, it had two simple words, heavy rain. And it did. It rained the whole time we were there. We didn't care, right? We were back at our alma mater watching a football game. They're playing Miami of Ohio, but who in the heck is even that? So it should be a good day for the boys in blue and white. Well, Carolina turned the ball over nine times that day. Miami had this quarterback who we had never even heard of, who ended up being pretty good. His name was Ben Roethlisberger. Maybe you've heard of him. And Carolina loses 27-21. So off we head to the parking deck. It's about 4.30 at this point. It's a 15, 20-minute walk to get to the parking deck. We're soaked from head to toe. We're disgruntled because the heels just lost. We get to the parking deck, to our level, to our space, and the car's not there. Now, I drove a buddy of mine and his wife, and of course, Heidi was with us as well. And so we verified with each other, this is the right level, right? Yes. This was the right space, right? Yes. So I go to the little guy working the ticket booth there where you get your ticket to come in and pay him to get out. And I give him the make and model description of the car I was driving at the time. And he thinks for a minute, he says, oh yeah, they towed it. Evidently, when I pulled into the parking place, I had parked on top of one of the parking space lines, which is a huge no-no in the town of Chapel Hill. Now it's about 5 o'clock in the afternoon. We're still pretty good, relatively. And I assume that the towing company they used was actually based right there in Chapel Hill. No. The car had been towed, actually, to a town called Swepsonville. I don't know if anybody is familiar with Swepsonville. But it's about a half hour on the other side of Chapel Hill. Now, everybody else from the wedding had disappeared. They're going the way back to Sam. So it's just the four of us. We didn't know anybody else there. So what I had to do was find a payphone. Y'all remember those? Find a payphone, call the tow truck driver, have him drive to get me, take me to go get my car, and then me come back and get everybody else, and then me head to Sanford for the wedding. Well, by the time we get back, it's about 7 o'clock in the evening. It's already super late. There is no time to shower. No time to iron anything. So real quick, I throw on a dress shirt and slacks wrinkled more than you could ever possibly believe. My hair is a mess. I've been wearing a hat in the rain for the last eight hours or so. Still soaked, not in the best emotional state. About 45 minutes or so late to the rehearsal. Now, just as I was when I got to the church and opened the front door, they were practicing coming in. So I just found my spot in the coming in line and walked in as if I'd been there the whole time. I didn't fool a single person. My buddies thought it was funny. Uh, the bride didn't think it was so funny. And I didn't look at either sets of parents, but I'm pretty sure they weren't very pleased with us either. But what's funny is that I absolutely hate to be late 
to anything. Oftentimes I get somewhere maybe a little bit too early. That wasn't the case on that day in 2002, and I can't tell you how many times at the rehearsal dinner afterwards, how many people reminded me exactly what time I needed to be there for the wedding the next day. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This past Sunday night at Youth, we talked about how the story of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem is a story told in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all talk about it, but they do it in different ways to emphasize different points. For instance, Mark's is the only gospel that says that Jesus entered the temple, looked around, and left. So why did Jesus leave the temple and go to Bethany? The gospel tells us why. Jesus left the temple because it was already late. And that got me to wondering this week. What if this means something a little more than just the time of day. What if Jesus was late getting somewhere or doing something? Around this time, there were about 40,000 people that made Jerusalem their home. But during Passover week, that number would swell to 240,000 people. And given the joyous shouts of celebration that accompanied Jesus as he made his way in, I have no doubt in my mind that Jesus could have found any number of people who have been willing for him to stay with them in Jerusalem that night. And yet he chose to go back to Bethany. What might Jesus have been late for? I saw a unique idea this week. It made me stop and think, what if Jesus wanted to scoot back to Bethany because he was late getting the colt back to its owner? I tend to agree with that. And here's why I think it's true. Because there's another unique aspect about Mark's account of the triumphal entry. Not only is he the only gospel writer to say Jesus came into the temple, looked around, and then he left, he is also the only gospel writer that says that Jesus promised to return the cult to its owner. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all agree that the cult was borrowed from its owner. John, in our first reading this morning, simply says the colt was found. But Mark, Mark is the only one that speaks about Jesus returning the colt. And it's right there in verse 3 of chapter 11. Jesus sends his two disciples to borrow the colt and told them if anyone asked why they were taking the colt, they were to say the Lord needs it and will send it back here, meaning Bethany, immediately. And that's what Jesus did. So what if that's why Jesus left the temple? What if that's what he was late for? Because remember, verse 1 says they were at Bethany when Jesus told them to go get the colt as they were making their way to Jerusalem. Then in verse 11 says he's going back to Bethany, right? And then if we read on to verse 12, he says he leaves from Bethany back into Jerusalem. Bethany is a mere two-mile walk from Jerusalem, a fairly easy walk at that. Maybe Jesus left so he could keep his promise and follow through on what he said he was going to do. 
Maybe this is about Jesus staying true to himself and keeping his word. What if this is about Jesus staying centered within himself despite what this upcoming week holds for him? And what if returning the cult is a metaphor for us as we enter into and walk through Holy Week? Metaphor for what, you ask? What might returning the cult mean for us this week? It's an image or a metaphor for us to ponder, I think, and it raises at least two questions. First, friend, what do you need to return this week? Meaning, what do you need to release or let go of? We all have stuff that we have carried around for far, far too long. Things that are no longer able to take us anywhere. Things that are no longer able to give us life. It's just baggage we carry that continues to weigh us down. It destroys the abundant life that God wants for us. It corrupts our hearts. What do you need to let go of, release, and return this week? Is it a grudge or resentment? Is it anger? Is it fear? Is it disappointment and regret? Is it guilt? Is it envy? Maybe you need to return the need to be in control. Maybe return the need to always be right. Maybe return the need to, to be approved or to the need to feel you need to be perfect. I don't know what it is for you, but I'm convinced that we all have our stuff. Maybe Holy Week is the time to return it and release it all to God. Trusting that God will do something with this stuff that we are never able to do. And if we return it, that means what? Not trying to go get it back. And what if returning and releasing the stuff is also about returning to ourselves? What if it's about returning to our center? What if it's about reclaiming our truest self, our authentic self? That means we could then move forward, not from the same old place, but from this newly recovered center. Because that's what Jesus did. He stays true to himself throughout this upcoming Holy Week. And so, friends, so must we. So maybe returning this cult is ultimately about returning to our original self, to our identities as sons and daughters of the Most High, to understand that all of us are image bearers of the Creator and that God has created and loved us from the very beginning. And then we must let that understanding of our true self guide us. What if those are the two movements we take throughout this next week? Returning, releasing, and letting go of all the negative stuff. And returning to and reclaiming those parts of ourselves that have been lost or ignored or forgotten or maybe even denied. Even as we carry around that stuff that needs to be returned, so also are there parts of ourselves in our life which we need to return to and to reclaim. What if this week we returned to ourselves? Which leads to another question. What is it you need to return to? What if we return to joy and hope, beauty and truth and honesty? What if we came back to justice and mercy and forgiveness? 
What if we reclaim the dignity and holiness of each human life? What if we recenter ourselves in peace and courage? What if we return to love of neighbor, love of self, and love of enemy? If we did that, coming back to ourselves would be like a whole new life, wouldn't it? So we begin this Holy Week by returning the cult. What stuff do you need to return to? And what do you need to return? Those are our two questions. To answer them, we have to be just like Jesus in the temple. We have to look around at everything. It's not so much about just looking at everything outside of us, but looking around at everything that is inside of us as well. Look at what's there. Look at what's missing. Look at what you need, what you feel, who you truly are, and who you want to be. Returning the cult is how Holy Week begins. Returning to God is the promise of how this week will end. Friends, look around at everything. And then go return the cult. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Until next time, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. God bless.